oil and clothing. That's the two topics we're going to talk about today in the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn with another great episode of this week's Practical Parsha podcast. I hope you are well. And this week's Parsha is Parsha's Tetzava. And as I mentioned, we the Torah tells us about the vestments, the holy garments of the Kohanim, the priests, and the high priest, the Kohen Gadol, as well as the menorah, the oil for the menorah specifically. And this actually is something which is, you know, very special to me, being that my name is Shlomo Kohn. I am a Kohen. So God willing, when the temple is rebuilt, I'll hopefully have a merit to work in the base Amigdash, to work in the temple. So we're going to get right into it. And as always, if you have any questions or comments or would like to reach out and say hello, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokomadik at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha, as I mentioned, is Parsha's Tetzave. And Parsha's Tetzave deals with the clothing of the Kohen Gadol, how it was made, and as well as the inauguration of the Kohanim. And the Parsha finishes with the Tamid sacrifice, as well as the special Ketores altar. The first idea I wanted to share with you for this week's Parsha podcast is on the first few Pesukim. If we look at the beginning of the Parsha, the Torah reads as follows. The first Pasuk of the Parsha reads, Now you shall command the children of Israel that they shall take for you pure, pressed olive oil for illumination to kindle the lamp continually. If you remember from last week's podcast, we discussed the menorah. The Torah tells us how the menorah was built. And in this week's Parsha, Hashem is giving a command to Moshe Rabbeinu that the oil for the menorah has to be pure olive oil. And the commentaries tell us that pure olive oil for the menorah didn't just mean grade A oil that you find in your grocery store. The oil had to be from the first drops of the olive, the first pressing, the best. Shemen Zayezach, totally pure. Obviously, it couldn't be contaminated. But no other oil for the menorah was acceptable, only the first pressing of the oil. And the commentaries deal with the significance of why the commandment that the menorah should only be lit with the most pure olive oil. What's the significance behind it? And there's different answers that are given. One of them represents the fact that the menorah, which is the intellect, can only have the most pure of the pure inside of it. And the lesson is that our intellect can only be, only what we take in has to be totally pure. We have to be careful what comes in to our minds. But another beautiful thought I saw, which I wanted to share with you, is that the Mishnayis brings down that although the menorah could only be used from the most purest olive oil. The oil from the olives, you know, from the second pressing and the third pressing, could be used for other, you know, jobs in the temple. 
you know, for certain sacrifices, for different smearings. Oil was used not just for the menorah, but for other things as well. And the Mishnah tells us, of the different types of olives, there were grade A olives, grade B olives, and grade C olives. There were different levels of quality of the olives that were picked by the people who grew the different trees. And the Mishnah tells us that from the grade A olives, you could take the first pressing. From the grade B olives, you could take the first pressing and use it for the menorah. From the grade C olives, which were even more inferior than the grade B, you could also take it to use it for the menorah. And the question is asked, is that if the grade C olives or the grade B olives, right? That's what we're calling it here. These are the second best and the third best of the olives. They're not as good as the grade A, the top of the line olives. So why are you able to take from the first pressing of the grade B and the first pressing of the grade C? Wouldn't it make more sense that if we could just squeeze the whole olive from the grade A and use that for the menorah? Meaning, the second pressing of grade A olives should be better than even the first pressing of the grade B and the grade C. Why does the Mishnah tell us in the halachos of which oils could be used for the menorah that the grade B olives, the first pressing, could be used? And by the grade C olives, the first pressing could be used. Wouldn't it make more sense? Wouldn't it be more respectable? Wouldn't it be better quality if all the oil that we, have, we get for the menorah would only be from the best olives? Fine, it won't be from the first pressing, but even the second pressing of the highest quality olives is surely better than the, than the, than the, the second best olives, even if it's the first drops or even the third best olives. And that's the question that's asked. Is that why is it, what's the significance of only the first pressing? And it even goes to an extent where you could take a lower quality olive. As long as it's the first pressing, it could be used for the menorah. Contrast that to even the best olives, you can't use the second pressing. And a very beautiful answer to this, which I saw from Harav Shalom Cohen, not related. When it comes to the oil, there's a very deep message being conveyed here. Many times... We look at other people, we try to emulate other people. We try to be other people. Sure, it's a good trait to, to look, you know, to look up to others and to have positive role models. But we have to recognize that we can never be someone else. We can never be that person that you know we're, we're looking up to or we want to be like. We could be like them, but we're not gonna be them. And the the Torah is giving us a very important lesson that when it comes to the oils, when it comes to ourselves, all Hashem expects of us is to be the best we can be. The Mishnah in Avos tells us that It is not dependent on you to finish the job, but at the same time you are not a free man to just forsake your obligation. That a person has to realize and know that we just have to give it our best shot. We have to be the best that we can be. We don't have to be someone else. And that's the symbolism of the olive oil. Why it to be the first pressing. 
Because all Hashem wants from us, He wants the best of us. Right? So even if it's the second best olive or the third best olive, it's not the highest quality. Hashem wants the best of that olive, whatever it is. Each person, whatever we do, we all have strengths, we all have weaknesses. But what Hashem wants from us, He wants the best of us. He wants us to give us to give our best shots, to give our best effort, to put our whole heart into what we do, into the service of Hashem. And that's the message of the olive oil. Why we need specifically Shemen Zayezach, why we need that pure olive oil. And the second pressing of the olive oil is not going to do it. because and, and that's why the second, the grade B olives and the grade C olives, the first pressing of those olives are, are, are used for the menorah. They're acceptable because that's because it's the best that those olives can be. And that's the lesson for us as well. To be the best we can be and that's what Hashem wants. A second idea I wanted to share with you is about the clothing, the vestments of the Kohanim. And if you look in the commentaries and where the way the Torah describes the vestments of the Kohen Gadol, it was lichvod l'ulisifaris. It was for honor and for grandeur. It was to give honor for the job that the Kohanim were doing. And it's something that could only have been worn by the Kohanim, by the priests themselves, while they're serving in the base of English, while they're serving in the temple. No other time could it be worn. And the, the Torah gives us, describes to us in, in detail the, the vestments, how they looked, and the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, had even more beautifully, had more beautiful vestments and clothing, and specifically... When the Torah describes to us the special garments of the Kohen Gadol, there's something very interesting you see. That when the Torah tells us about the ephod, which was this outer robe that the Kohen Gadol wore, it, it would be a some type of wrapping around him with straps over the top of his shoulders, and it would connect into the, the breastplate, the, the choshen. It's very interesting. When the Torah describes to us the, the, the aphod, it tells us how it should have straps attached to this you know, robe-like garment and it goes over his shoulders. And it, the Torah tells us that two rocks, two shoham rocks should be sewn onto the straps that they should be on the shoulder. These two where the straps would end and be connected to the choshen, there would be these two rocks and on the rocks would be engraved the names of the Jewish people. Six on each side, meaning the names of the 12 tribes. Six on one side and six on the other side, which is, which is a total of 12, which represents the entire Jewish nation because the 12 sons of Jacob are the entire Jewish people. And the only other place where it's engraved the names of the Jewish people is on the breastplate there's 12 stones, each stone having a name of one of the Shvatim, one of the brothers, one of the 12 tribes of the Jewish people. And those are the only two places on the Kohen Gadol's vestments that the names of the Shvatim, the names of the 12 tribes are written on the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol and over the heart of the Kohen Gadol, on the Choshen, the breastplate. And the question is asked, is what's the significance of the names of the Jewish people being written 
on specifically the shoulders of the Kohen Gadol and over the heart of the Kohen Gadol. And the answer to this gives us a very important insight into leadership and to about caring about people. And the lesson that I want to bring out is that when it comes to leadership and to caring, there's two types of caring. There's caring on a personal level and there's caring on a communal level. And the way I want to bring this out, not that I'm picking this organization specifically, but it just brings out the point which I want to bring out, is that you know the United Nations has a building in New York City and you know there's different programs that the United Nations is part of to help end hunger to feed people right they give out billions of, of millions of pounds of food every year to to nations to people all over the world but let me ask you a question what would happen if somebody a beggar someone a homeless person comes up to the United Nations doors in Manhattan and says, you know, I'm hungry. Can you give me some food? What do you think is going to happen? How are they going to treat this person? Will they let him in and give him a meal? Or will they throw him out? Most likely, they'll throw him out. Because although they support giving food to, to people, to countries, they only care about people on a communal level. They don't care about the individual. They only care about, you know, giving the millions of tons of food to, you know, to, to the country or whatever. But about the individuals coming to them in their, in their doorstep, that's not their concern. They'll send them somewhere else. And then, and that's really what the, the significance of the names of the Jewish people on the shoulders and over the heart of the Kohen God represents. That the Kohen Gadol, he was the spiritual leader of the Jewish people. He taught the Jewish people. People looked up to him. It was, there was the king, and then after the king, it was with the Kohen Gadol, the leader, the high priest. And together, they would lead the nation. And the message that's being conveyed to the Kohen Gadol, and also in turn being taught to us as well, is that when it comes to leadership, you have to, number one, have the people on your shoulder. You have to bear the, the burden of the community. And that's something not so easy, but something you need to remember. That's, you have to care about the people, the whole Jewish people as a whole. But at the same time, although you're the leader and although you have many things on your mind, you have the whole nation in, in, in the picture of your mind that you're taking care of, you can't forget about the individual. You have to have the names of the people over your heart as well. That if a person comes up to you for help, you can't ignore him. You have to also be able to help the individual person, individual Jew as well. It can't just be all about the numbers and what you're doing you know, to impact the world. You have to be able to help the individual as well. And that's the significance of the names of the Jewish people being over the heart of Aaron HaKohen, being over the heart of the leader, the spiritual leader of the people, that to tell him that it's not just about caring about the whole nation as a whole, but it's about each individual person as well. And I believe this is something which is important for us to remember, not even not just for leaders, just for us as people. 
you know, nowadays it's so easy to get caught up in the numbers game. You know, we're all into our social media. How many likes do I have? How many followers do I have? And I'll talk about myself. How many people are listening to my podcast? Right? We think about numbers. How many people? How, am I an influencer? Am I not an influencer? Only if I get to these big numbers am I making a difference. And, you know, obviously there's a, you know, that could be used for good to push yourself to really have an effect on as many people as possible. But at the same time, there's also a risk. And you have to be careful because it's not all about how many, you know, people you affected with your program, how many downloads you have to your podcast, how many views you have on your YouTube video, or, you know, how many people you're, you're able to affect. It's about the individual as well. It's about the one-to-one. It's about the person who comes to you for help. Are you able to help them? Are you able to give them chizuk? Are you able to give them strength? And, you know, it's not just, the, you know, not just for people who have podcasts and have social media, even if you don't have social media. No one should ever think to themselves that what you're doing doesn't have an effect on other people. You know, you giving a smile to somebody one day, you could just have lit up a guy's day, a guy's week, a guy's life and change it around. You'll never even know it. And the point is we have to remember how powerful our individual actions are. Don't lose sight. Don't lose sight of that. And to value the actions we do on an individual basis as well. So the, the lesson that we get from this is that there's two types of caring. We have to care about the whole community as a whole. But even on the flip side, there's also a caring that we have to have, a concern we need to, to have for the individual. We can never lose sight of that. And it's not all about the numbers. And no matter what situation we're in, who we are, we can always have a positive effect on the next person than an individual. And that is something which is changing the world. And uh, there's an expression, there's something called the butterfly effect. That if we, that if a butterfly flaps its wings somewhere in South America, causes a tsunami on the other side of the world. And in the spiritual realms, when we deal with people as well, we should have this in mind because us saying hello to one person, you never know how far that action goes. You never know you know, what effect it can have on another person. Just smiling, just saying hello, just having the care and concern for another individual. With that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out to say hello, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomakomadakei at gmail.com. Have a great day.